You're listening to a podcast from 702. Literature Corner. Audiobooks versus ebooks versus physical books. It's a three way battle for ascendancy on the Literature Corner. And Laura, what do you like? dramatic three way battle I do, I, do, I do it pretty well <laughs> I should write books <laughs> um, so one thing that I love is receiving um, book like packages so we often get um, from publishers and authors who send us books and I, I just got one now and I just love it and it comes Don't in you and love I'm like, that? I know I love it I love it and often it's if I've bought books and I order them online and I get them so I think for me, I love the physical books, but sometimes for different circumstances, uh, I have to get ebooks. So I've recently downloaded the Kindle app and I go on Amazon and I buy the books because sometimes for my book club, the books are not available here. So they maybe the international authors. So I have to get ebooks because if I order them from the US, it could take two months to get here without postal service as it is. So I much prefer the actual physical books. However, I'm actually running out of space in my house for all my books. Yeah, I've got, got a colleague, anybody who's been to Angela Fick's house will yes. know that that problem is like real. He's got bookshelves in every single room of the house. Yeah. And there's books lying around everywhere because there's no space. Yes. So I um I have a couple of shelves and, and and yeah, but I must say the actual physical book that is that is my thing. I know a lot of people who listen to audiobooks, for example. Um I know we've got we've got a clip which I really enjoyed because so Michelle Obama's book Becoming, I read it as an ebook because I didn't have the physical books, I read it on my iPad. Um, but she herself has actually narrated her audiobook. Now, some people really like that because they want to hear almost the author reading it. And I don't know if it's because she's famous and, you know, if it was just an, a mere mortal author narrating the audiobook, like who would care, right? But um, I think it's really nice that she's narrated her own audiobook, which adds to the appeal. So, yeah, should we have a listen? I think it's a great idea. Avel, <laughs> let's listen to Michelle Obama. I spent much of my childhood listening to the sound of striving. It came in the form of bad music, or at least amateur music, coming up through the floorboards of my bedroom, the plink, plink, plink of students sitting downstairs at my great Aunt Robbie's piano, slowly and imperfectly learning their scales. My family lived in the South Shore neighborhood of Chicago, in a tidy brick bungalow that belonged to Robbie and her husband, Terry. My parents rented an apartment on the second floor while Robbie and Terry lived on the first. Robbie was my mother's aunt and had been generous to her over many years. But to me, she was kind of a terror. Prim and serious, she directed the choir at a local church and was also our community's resident piano teacher. She wore sensible heels and kept a pair of reading glasses on a chain around her neck. She had a sly smile, but didn't appreciate sarcasm the way my mother did. I'd sometimes hear her chewing out her students for not having practiced enough, or chewing out their parents for delivering them late to lessons. Good night, she'd exclaim in the middle of the day, with the same blast of exasperation someone else would say. Oh, for God's sake. Few, it seemed, could live up to Robbie's standards. The sound of people trying, however, became the soundtrack to our life 
There was plinking in the afternoons, plinking in the evenings. Ladies from church sometimes came over to practice hymns, belting their piety through our walls. Under Robbie's rules, kids who took piano lessons were allowed to work on only one song at a time. From my room, I'd listen to them attempting, note by uncertain note, to win her approval, graduating from hot cross buns to Brahms lullaby, but only after many tries. The music was never annoying. It was just persistent. It crept up the stairwell that separated our space from Robbie's. It drifted through open windows in summertime, accompanying my thoughts as I played with my Barbies or built little kingdoms made out of blocks. The only respite came when my father got home from an early shift at the city's water treatment plant and put the Cubs game on TV, boosting the volume just enough to blot it all out. Michelle Obama reading her own audiobook. She's Becoming. happy to listen to. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it works really, really well if the author has the ability to do that. It's not always possible. I mean, like, uh, I'd love to have heard George Orwell read 1984, mm. but alas. Mm. Yeah. That was before audiobooks. Yeah. The days yeah. of audiobooks. Before 1984. Yeah, know. but she's really lovely to listen to. And I think, you know, if I'm cleaning the house or making dinner to have her on in the background. But my difficulty with audiobooks is that I don't feel like I would absorb what what's happening. Like when you're reading, you you read and you're forced to concentrate. Whereas, for example, we often talk about, you know, listening to radio and it's kind of in the background and it's in the, it's, you know, a friend who's just kind of talking to you in the background. But I'm not really concentrating on every single thing the presenter is saying. But now do I have to concentrate if I'm listening to the book? Does it absorb uh, 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 itself organically. You're, you're, you're painting know. a picture of a problem that I have, right? Because I, I have the audible, uh, the audible account, right? So mm. I've had it for, for a while. It was a, a gift uh, once upon a time. And, and I've downgraded the thing, so I only get a credit every like, two and a half months, I think it is. But I've got 22 books on my audible, and I'd love to say that I'd listen to all of it as much as, as possible. But it's just, you know, like you say, it's not like listening to the radio while you're busy typing or busy doing something else. Unless I'm doing some like manual labor or something like that, I can't, I find I can't listen to an audiobook. Uh, is audible only audiobooks? Pretty so you much. have to, you have to use. Okay. Pretty much. They don't uh, provide the copy. But w- w- what's your take? Uh, audiobooks versus ebooks versus actual physical books? I have a problem with physical books too. I've got a huge bookshelf that's oh. overflowing. My partner complains about it all the time. Uh, it doesn't mean she's going to win. The books will, the books will stay. <laughs> 011 883 Robin Joburg. Hi, Hey, how's it, Rob? Hi. Um, well, you're mentioning whether we should choose between audiobook, ebooks, and physical books. And in my personal experience, they actually complement each other. Uh, hmm. I'm a person who's often on the road. So, you know, sometimes three, four, five hours at a time. And uh, my audiobooks are my, you know, my go-to. And I'll put on an audiobook and then say I stop for lunch. And then I've got my Kindle, you know, my, my ebook reader, where I continue reading the book that I've just been listening to. And quite often I'll go home and just like your partner was complaining, mine complains as well. I have you know, stack of books that I've mostly not read through. And I'll continue reading it on the physicals. Of course, there's positives to everything. There are negatives. But 
uh, my personal life, uh, I find that they are complementary. And, you know, instead of seeing the negatives in them, we should actually, you know, praise people for consuming these books. Because, you know, with audiobooks, you're not necessarily reading them, but you're consuming these books. And I think they all have a place in promoting literature. Variety is the spice of life, as they say, Rob. And I feel you in the whole thing. Just because you have that pile of books doesn't mean that you're not going to read it eventually. And my Kindle. My Kindle is my portable pile of books because I'm never just reading the one. I'm always reading quite a few. What are, you, what are you reading at the moment? What, what are you reading at the moment? Well, at the moment, I'm actually reading a book by Stephen Fry called Misa. You know, a retelling of old um, Greek mythology. The audiobook is amazing because, as you know, Stephen Fry is an amazing uh, artist, amazing actor, and, and his voiceover abilities are wonderful. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually really loving the voice, the audiobook. Well, uh, serendipitously, we're actually going to play uh, Stephen Fry reading Oscar Wilde's The Happy Prince in a couple of minutes' time. But, R- Rob, what's, the, what's, your, what's your take on, on audiobooks? Do you have an Audible account? Do you uh, listen to audiobooks? I, I have an Audible I have an Audible account. I use it quite extensively. I guess I'm also a little bit guilty of using YouTube. There are various, various books uh, available for free. And, and there's even if you, if you go on Google, because it can become quite costly. But if you go on, on, on Google, you can find copyright-free readings of books that are already in the, you know, in the public domain. And it, it's definitely an option. Rob, what a fantastic call. Thanks for weighing in there. Abel, we can play that uh, that Stephen Fry reading in a moment or so, but Rufaro in Bramfontein, you belong to a book club. Yes, I do. Hi, Nicholas. How are you doing? How's it? Well, and your book club, is it strictly the your hard copy books you know, in your hand, the ones you get off the bookshelf? No, it is whatever anybody can can get their hands on to read. So... Um, I mean, currently the book that we're reading is called Disappearing Earth. There isn't an audio book available. Um, but I did discover actually reading books through kind of listening to books through my book club. Um, that's the first time I was introduced to it. And it, it does enable you to actually get through quite a lot, to be able to consume literature um, and fit it into kind of your busy life in a really great way. So I, I, I enjoyed I learned about it about three years ago, and I joined my book club. And most of the people were were listening through were, were listening to the book, and some people were using them as were engaging with them as ebooks. Um, and then some people were buying them. So I think you know, Rob is right, is that you know these things can be complementary um, as well. Yeah. What What do you find yourself doing most? It really depends on the book, and it depends on the on the audio. So I find myself um, last year, I mean, I was very resistant to audiobooks. I thought it was just like, it's not good. Um, the first audiobook that I listened to was um, Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. And I'd listen to it while I was walking or going on a hike um, or doing park run, which was really good because then you just focused on, you know, Trevor Noah's nice voice. So I find that audiobooks that are done by the, by the author as the narrator, especially if it's a biography, um, is a lot more engaging um, than the, but you know, and then I've, I've read, um, I think the last book that I read, which is My Sister, My Keeper, which I listened to, that narrator was so amazing that like I was hooked on the edge of my seat. I was like waiting to 
be able to to listen to this book again and telling everybody, you know, this is the storyline, this is where it's going. So I think it really depends on the on on the narration that that occurs in audiobooks. But for me, my preference now is audiobooks because I've just discovered that I could read so much more um, than having to wait for the book to be delivered and 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 all of these things. And I just don't have as much time as I would like to sit and read. Well, what are you reading right now? I am reading, well, I need to start our book club book, which is Disappearing Earth. Okay. Um, I'm probably going to read that on an ebook. Um, and I am reading and listening to um, Braving, um, Daring, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. So she narrates her own books, um, which is a little, it is a little difficult to follow because it's, it's, it's kind of like a self-help book. So I have, I did, after listening to the audiobook, I went on to buy the paperback um, so that I could make notes on it, et cetera. Et so um, that's what I'm currently reading is, is there to read. Uh, you know, I have a, I have a secret. It's not a, not something I'm particularly proud of, but I'm not reading anything at the moment because I'm trying to finish my gosh darn masters. The only thing I'm reading is textbooks. <laughs> I totally understand that. I took a break in 2017 from reading anything other than um, what was in the book club. Um, but yeah, no, the, the reading and being able to consume literature, I think that's the most important point. And making it easy and accessible through all of these platforms is, is the important piece and finding it complementary. But I think we do, I think one of the things is like, do we judge each other? It's like, oh, you read it on an ebook. Oh, you listen to it. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know there are there are those purists. There are those purists you know? out there that are like, you listen to audio books? Can't you read? No, but I just want to be able to continue to. If I if I do, if there were no audio books, I probably wouldn't have picked up and been able to 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 read the book I'm currently reading there to read. Um, and so and and then I went on to buy the book. So you know, I was like two costs there. Um, <laughs> the author benefited twice, which I think is really helpful. Um, but I think e-books are probably because also e-books are a little bit cheaper um, and, and makes it even more accessible. So that's that's probably what I'm going to move to is e-books and audio. Um, I'm not sure how many more books I'm going to buy going forward, to be honest, unfortunately. Rafaro, thank you for the call. Yeah. I always love speaking to literature lovers like myself. We are now going to play Stephen Fry reading Oscar Wilde's The Happy Prince before we get to some voice notes that we got for you in the literature corner. High above the city, on a tall column, stood the statue of the Happy Prince. He was gilded all over with thin leaves of fine gold. For eyes, he had two bright sapphires, and a large red ruby glowed on his sword hilt. He was very much admired indeed. He's as beautiful as a weathercock, remarked one of the town councillors who wished to gain a reputation for having artistic tastes. Only not quite so useful, he added fearing lest people should think him unpractical, which he really was not. Why can't you be like the happy prince? asked a sensible mother of her little boy, who was crying for the moon. The happy prince never dreams of crying for anything. I'm glad there is someone in the world who is quite happy, muttered a disappointed man as he gazed at the wonderful statue. He looks just like an angel, 
said the charity children as they came out of the cathedral in their bright scarlet cloaks and their clean white pinafores. How do you know? said the mathematical master. You've never seen one. Ah, but we have in our dreams, answered the children, and the mathematical master frowned and looked very severe, for he did not approve of children dreaming. One night there flew over the city a little swallow. His friends had gone away to Egypt six weeks before, but he had stayed behind, for he was in love with the most beautiful reed. He had met her early in the spring as he was flying down the river after a big yellow moth, and had been so attracted by her slender waist that he had stopped to talk to her. "'Shall I love you?' said the swallow, who liked to come to the point at once, and the reed made him a low bow. So he flew round and round her, touching the water with his wings and making silver ripples. This was his courtship, and it lasted all through the summer. It is a ridiculous attachment, twittered the other swallows. She has no money and far too many relations. And indeed the river was quite full of reeds. Then, when the autumn came, they all flew away. After they had gone, he felt lonely and began to tire of his lady love. She has no conversation, he said, and I am afraid that she is a coquette, for she is always flirting with the wind, and certainly whenever the wind blew, the reed made the most graceful curtsies. Will you come away with me, he said finally to her, but the reed shook her head. She was so attached to her home. Fantastic little passage there by Stephen Fry reading Oscar Wilde's The Happy Prince. And i got to admit, I find it lovely to hear a familiar voice reading a classic like this by Stephen Fry. And indeed also reading his own literature. I think that it's a first prize to have the author reading the uh, literature uh, that they've created themselves. And how lucky can authors be if they have such a well-known voice reading their literature as, well, I suppose, posthumously uh, Oscar Wilde, maybe uh, smiling wherever he is. But we've got a couple of voice notes in on the three-way battle between audiobooks, ebooks, and physical books on Literature Corner. Hi, I'm a lover of physical books, even for my generation, which is in the technology phase. I just want that feel of an actual physical book in my hands to read. I agree with you, ma'am. Yeah, ebooks don't work for me because a lot of the time people will, if they don't have a Kindle, they'll, they'll read the books on their cell phone. And that for me, I, I need to get into nature. I need to get into a chilled space to go read my book. And then if I've got it on the phone, even if I do have the phone on airplane mode, I, I still, I can't beat that temptation to just open the phone and go back into my WhatsApp groups. You know, and I think that it's just far more relaxing if you stand wine with a paperback hardcover book wherever you are and just let the pages wash all over you. Hello, hello, 702. Uh, the last time I listened to an audio book, uh, it was a book by Dr. Butali Dima. The title of the book is The Land of My Ancestors. It is a very detailed history about uh, her clan or let's say her nation and how they lost land around Landsberg next to Sun City. 
and how much they got compensation from uh, the democratic government. It is a very interesting book. Uh, I would suggest anybody to read it. I would like to read it too. The problem is that I'm using the library. Books are often expensive, but I think I will find it from the Johannesburg Library or Ekuruleni Library. Uh, this is Mangova Mazibogo calling in from Fosloras. Thanks, Mangova. I appreciate that. I, I want to hear from you if you visit a library. There's various libraries around Johannesburg, around Gauteng as well. Some, you know, better than others. Uh, I know that my sort of affair with literature began at the Florida Library in Rudaput there, just up the road from Goldman Street. Haven't visited there for quite some time. But yeah, it started with Asterix and Obelix um, omnibuses that I used to take out. Uh, I remember I used to read them so fast uh, that uh, the rule, I don't know if it was a, it's the same rule in other libraries, you weren't allowed to take out, uh, if, you, if you reached your quota for the day, I think you were allowed to take out four or five for a period of two weeks. I sometimes read the Asterix and Obelix, you know, one or two of the books so quickly while waiting for my mom and my sisters to get books out of the library that uh, I try to exchange them and get more out, but you weren't allowed to take out uh, once you'd reached your quota, more books on the same day, yeah, to come back the very next one. But I want to hear about your experiences when it comes to public libraries. Uh, there's also a fantastic uh, library in the inner city just at the back of uh, Latuli House, right next to Library Gardens. Visited that once or twice, and I want to find out from you. I mean, if you are a, a South African, if you're a, anybody that uses a, a public library, I want to find out what that experience has been like for you. And are we reaching a stage where it's just going to be slowly but surely phased out over the next decades, where physical books just become less popular uh, as we embrace the fourth industrial revolution, as we embrace technology? Uh, is it going to be a case where we, you know, it's, it's going to be an anomaly to have these books, these books weighing down bookshelves? in houses or people battling for space among the books in their house. I'll tell you, there's one place in Johannesburg that's an absolute treasure trove for actual physical books. And uh, if, there was ever, <laughs> if, it was, if there was ever a space where I thought that an oversupply, an overcrowding of books might be a threat to someone's health, uh, if it's a collector's treasury place is bursting at the seams with books. It's fantastic, fantastic to walk through if you ever have the chance. Hassan in Lanesia. Hi. Yes, Hassan. Yeah, hello. Yes. Yeah, I wanted to push back against this idea that libraries are old-fashioned or past their sell-by date. The past year, I had uh, the pleasure of traveling with my family and uh, our children. We were in both Barcelona the USA, and we found that libraries have renewed themselves. I mean, kids take out books. Uh, one individual can take out about 30 books, but there's also space for you to take out movies, music, newspapers from all other countries are available, and it becomes the center for community learning. Libraries are full like I've never experienced it. In Philadelphia, for example, the, the library was hosting a uh, seed bank exchange where people could come on Sundays to exchange seeds. They were teaching people how to play music. 
Yeah, so clearly, the libraries have to renew themselves if anything that we see happening elsewhere is possible. It can be possible, yes. Hassan, what library do you frequent mostly? Well, I used to be a librarian in Indonesia library. Aha. And I'm trying to, yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and then too, under the party days, we used to play chess. We, of course, the demographics have changed now. Middle class people are fleeing from public services. Clearly, there's a big discussion about libraries. And you know, with an access, with a library card, you can get access to museums and stuff like that. It's a discussion we need to have in this country. What does the library card give you access to? You know? What do you think it should give you access to? Do you believe that libraries should be centers of of not only learning, reading, but also perhaps, I don't know. um, And debate. In fact, I've mm. heard Joe Harjo, the Native American speaker, a writer and poet, speak at the library, you know, so clearly libraries here have to wake up. But if you belong to a library, you could use that card to see movies at a certain price. It should be used as much as Discovery and other people are using it. You know, if you have a member of Discovery, you can pay a certain price or fee at a, at a gym. Library cards that are, of course, authentic and that must be used to give people access to other facilities of learning. All right, Hassan. Uh Keep fighting the good fight when it comes to libraries there. Interesting uh, point. I, I think libraries should function differently here in South Africa as they do in the rest of the world. It should become uh, not only a center of debate and reading and learning like Hassan is saying, but also provide very sort of basic services that you would need to try and not only develop yourself, but, but, but you know, provide internet for job seekers and the like. What do you think? Lines are open. 011 It's the Literature Corner. Hi, guys. It's Cornell from Joburg here. I just tuned in with the last caller, and then you started playing the, the Stephen Fry voice clip. So I don't know if someone has mentioned this, um, but I'm a very big Harry Potter fan, and uh, I've read the books many times, all of them. And um, then uh, two or three years ago, I got the audiobooks, the whole set of audiobooks, and it's uh, narrated by Stephen Fry, and that was amazing. Um, he's incredible. I love him. Um, I, I love to watch QI as well, which is a show that he always used to um, host. Um, it's a sort of British show. But anyways, he was the narrator of, of the Harry Potter books, and it's so good because he has a voice throughout the whole thing. He has certain voices for certain characters throughout the seven books. It's amazing. I really loved it. It was so good. Um, and I'm a big Stephen fan. From, Stephen Fry fan. So thank you for uh, Playing him. Cool. Have a good day, Chip. Thanks for that voice note there on the literature corner. We've got one more voice note to go. Making the argument for actual physical books that you can smell. I love physical books more than ebooks or audiobooks because there's a lot that comes with a physical book, you know. The smell of it, you know, the 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 touch, you know, it's it's so real and reading through it is it makes you paint a picture, you know. It's it's like you're an assistant actor, you know, like you are there, but you're not there. You, I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but it's it's so cool. Like you, you are in the moment. That's what I love about physical books. So I will never trade physical books for any other book. Um, This is Paseka in Bram Fisher. Thanks, Paseka. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Uh, colleague of mine 
Now you the other day and say, you know, you've got maybe 400 books on your bookshelf. You know, you could put all of those into a Kindle. You, know, you could totally just have all of those in the, you know, back pocket of your jeans if you put them on your phone. I don't know. There's something about actual physical books.